Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 243 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are talking about the Euro Championships that took place last weekend, also about the first race in the Verge series that took place in Northampton, Massachusetts. And then to finish off this show, uh, I'm giving you three out-of-the-box ideas that you're probably going to hate. It's something I did in 2018, and uh, I'm bringing it back. So stay, 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 stay into the episode till the end, because that's that's when that that happens. About an hour in. Uh, also, just just to get everybody up to speed, sometimes when we talk about the races and the riders, uh, we have a tendency to go into a bit of shorthand. I know that can be confusing. If you go back to cxers.com in 2020, Zach wrote an article uh, on January 24th that was Cross Metrics, the Analytics Revolution Comes to Cyclocross. And that explains some of the common uh, um, uh, shorthand that we use. For instance, OPP. When we talk about OPP, that's on podium percentage. So how how much does a rider get onto the podium? First three steps. Uh, If we talk about WAP, it's not necessarily the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network, but it's the Wide Angle Podium Percentage. So how often does a rider get onto the top five steps? I think those are the most mostly the the ones that we do. The other like um, random nicknames and everything. Just uh, shout them out. I'll I'll explain it to you. Get to me on Twitter. When you're not yelling at me about all the stuff I'm talking about at the end of this episode, you can ask me questions about what different nicknames or abbreviations mean. This episode is brought to you by Hammerhead. If you go to Hammerhead.io and purchase a Carew two you can get the heart rate monitor on us for a limited time by putting in the code CXRADIO, one word, C-X-R-A-D-I-O, CXRADIO at hammerhead.io. All right, let's get into it. We got Michael and Zach. We're talking about the European Cyclocross Championships, NOHO, and three out-of-the-box things you'll probably hate and we're doing that right now. All right, we are back in the media pit. We got Eurocross. We got some East Coast racing to talk about. But before we get to any of that, Michael, how's it going? What, Zach? What? Oh, he jumped in quicker than I. I was. Oh. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna try something here, Bill. You did say that you told me earlier today, or actually this weekend, you said that this generation rules the nation, and I and I do want to say that Voss the Dutchies on the left brand side. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just that's. I, yeah. 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 I liked it. You, you, you know, you tried that one out. You, you sampled it in the uh, the media pit uh, text uh, green room. I liked it. I like it. It's a good homage. Uh, here's my question though: like, what, what, what was the band called that did that? I, I, I actually can't think of it. What was the band called? Um, Musical Youth. Yep, I had. I mean, I had to Google the song "Past the Duchy," but yeah. Um, Bill, Bill pointed out the first, the first 
two lines of the lyrics and it's it's pretty good because you know it makes you think about the the youngsters um really taking over in the euro women's race um but you know there was the uh brand world champ folks thought we had been sleeping on her um still kind of showing boss what's up and i'm talking about boss not boss so where should we start which race men's or women's where do we want to start with the euros Let's uh, let's go in order. Let's do what we we normally do. So kind of an interesting, uh, not interesting setup, but they do they do kind of like worlds. It's six races spread over two days, and so you get kind of which actually I kind of like uh, as the resident hater of getting up in the morning. Uh, I kind of like you know the women's <laughs> kind of getting pushed towards that later that later time that's more Zach friendly. So I certainly appreciate that. Uh, the women on Saturday. The men on Sunday, guys. What did we What did we think of the course? I uh, I have to give credit to. I think was it Alan French who jumped in. I think he was the one who who decided we should call it the uh, the Krappenberg or the Krappen Cross. And I think we went a step further and called it the Krappenberg Cross, which I like. I really like. Uh, but what did you guys think of this track? I thought it was. To me, it was better. I thought it was going to be just hokey and gimmicky, and I wasn't going to like it, and I liked it more than I thought I would. It, it reminded me of Swiss, Swiss Cross. I mean, a lot of lot of grass, lots of off-camber, lots of big climbs. I, um, I, 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 made, I made one of uh, I, I, I make much fewer snarky comments on, on Twitter these days, but I did, did make one. Uh, saying that I thought it was great that they didn't have to change the track from the uh, Dutch Road Championship that uh, Vanderpool won on to the cyclocross course because it seemed very smooth except for that little little bit of mud at at the bottom and uh, I was put in my place that it just didn't look like Belgian cross but it looked like cross everywhere else in the world. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I thought it was fine. <laughs> it it gave us it gave us good races. I liked the course. It just seemed very it seemed very smooth. It was nice. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I think I think there was um, <clears throat> critique that it was one of short, a little bit kind of short laps, and B a lot of pavement, um, which I agree. There was definitely a lot of tarmac there, um, but I I don't know. I I, I kind of liked it for what it was. It sort of it was a little bit different, um, and it seems that there's definitely a lot of room to expand at that venue. And I guess the one good thing about building your course on a trash pile is that. There's one thing we don't run out of is, 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 is garbage. So they can continue to build. Um, and to, to, your, to your point, Zach, about putting cross races in venues that aren't like, you know, public places that folks like, like city parks, you put it at the dump. No one cares what you do. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm into the course. I like it. I thought it provided for some pretty interesting racing. And I, I liked... I liked all the climbing, even though it was on pavement. I, I was okay with that because I thought it was just, I don't know, it was, it was a, I always think that going from muddy grass dirt to tarmac is like kind of the most scariest thing you can have on a cross course. And so to have that uh, multiple times to me is, is a little bit interesting and I don't know, keeps it a little bit spicy. I think it kind of speaks to, I guess, the prevalence of bike racing that we are seeing these repurposed venues. I mean, why don't we, you know, like this is a giant bike park. We have the slag heap cross, which is a giant bike park. So I think, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see more of that. That'd be an ideal here in America, right? If we can 
do more repurposed stuff. And we've talked about a few spots, I think, here in uh, my my neck of the woods in Minnesota. There's a growing cottage industry of old mining towns creating mountain bike parks. And it'd be cool to see uh, some more urban type stuff, you know, stuff that's closer to people um, repurposing garbage dumps and stuff as a bike park. I think that's really neat. So I think that's a really cool thing that they do uh, in in the low countries. Yeah, so really steep grass climb leading into a little less but still steep paved climb leading into a cobbled climb zach did this race uh favor a climbing specialist uh i think it did (laughs) i don't know i could be i could be wait do those exist i thought we i thought last week we decided those don't exist anymore uh well I, i guess you know what like I was, you know, I in in the bulletin. I said, "Why not Yara?" I, I who are climbing specialists who are left though? I mean, Yara is a climbing specialist, like no question about that. I mean, I think like the power profile favors Quinton. I mean, Quinton's a small dude; like he's bigger dude than uh, than Ailey, um, but he's a smaller smaller dude. And uh, Lars isn't necessarily a climber. He's really powerful though. Like, do you think Lars is a climber? I don't necessarily look at him like that. So where are we starting? We're going to go with, uh, oh, we, what did we decide? Oh, did we want to talk at all about any of the others? Should we like quickly through? I mean, Zoe Backstead still looking like somebody we should be uh, keeping an eye on. Uh, definitely has been proving to be the best women's junior out there. She got herself a Euro championship for uh, Great Britain. And then in the men's, junior race aaron docks was this was this the belgian victory was this it did aaron docks sort of hold hold it down for the belgian belgian federation are you doing spoilers <laughs> yes oh, i am he is yes he <laughs> was the uh he was the sole belgi uh keeping it uh keeping yeah, it real so he for beat, them he beat your hair he man beat the t- hair guy he, he, i was gonna say yeah, yeah. He, beat, he beat he beat the lettuce and uh, just quickly, U23. Do we want to talk about the U23 race at all? You know, we got uh, Vosh who made the decision not to race the U23 event, which is kind of, it's it's a bit of a flex because she's basically leaving her class, right? I mean, th- th- this is this is the group that we're talking about, this sort of like the up-and-comers who have been at the front of the women's field. And Vosh is like, you all just stay back there, kids, and, uh, you know, go after that U23 crown. I'm, I'm going after the, the elite title. But in, interesting race. I mean, this could have, if you throw, I think, the the podium of the U23 race into the elite race, they're, they're mixing it up there as well. Would you agree with that? I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at, I'm, I'm, well, Puck, yes, we know Puck is mixed it up, but I, I'm, Sharon Van Enroy won once again, crushing the dreams of Puck Pierce's <laughs> and then Femme Van Empel coming in third. Uh, yeah, but so to, but to answer your point, I don't think we've seen where, and I guess I, I thought I was going to get some pushback saying like, uh, that Femme was being cursed by the, uh, the U23 women's champions jersey. I mean, we haven't seen where Sheeran and her have really competed. Uh, uh, Puck and, and Vosh have really upped the, the ante. I mean, they've said that winning a World Cup is now 
the right. standard by which you know these young riders will be judged and we're not even seeing necessarily and i'm sure that there are results where they were in the top five i think there was zonhoven i think van empel finished fifth but the sheeran van anroy is not competing at the top level right. uh Femme van empel is not uh competing at the top level but guys i i really want to address like my biggest issue um with this u23 women's race and i, I want to get your guys's take on this so Femme Van Ampel took to the Instagrams and she, you know, she had a, she had a race. She enjoyed every second, fought like a lioness. <laughs> now, boys, 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 uh, there, there, there's a team that's the lions. Uh, she's a sauce. So I have problems with this. Like, I, I don't think you can say you fought like a lioness or is she hinting like, is she doing, is this some Higita stuff where she has a contract for, you know, next year? Is this, are we, like, is, is Sven making a play and sw- swooping in and stocking up the elite women's talent? Yeah, it was, it was really weird when Vauders fired her. That was strange. <laughs> no, but they made up. She's back for the, for the remainder of the year. Uh, I, I mean, so like part of it, like I fought like a congealed, uh saw you know a congealed uh mix of stuff i guess just doesn't have the same touch but i i would have if i was the social media manager i'd be like can we, can we pick a different animal right can we Seriously. pick a different I mean, it animal could be, you know you could be you could be fighting like a spicy mayo sure absolutely but you can't fight like a, like you just can't do that yeah like, but she just... got third so did, did she really like was she really a spicy mayo or was she just regular mayo i mean sorry well but like yeah. the lioness won the lioness right. won. She did not fight like a, like <laughs> I, the lioness won. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe it was maybe it was missed in the translation, and she said she fought a lioness. Uh, okay. Yes, oh, all be. right. Okay. Um. So who won the U twenty three men's race, Bill? The uh, winner of the men's U twenty three race was the People's Camp Ryan. Camp. He's back. He's, is he back? Is this a, it's, is what? He's a Euro champion. He is a Euro champion. Well, I think that, I mean, I think that Camp has unfinished business. I mean, if you're talking about someone who, right, because he didn't he have like that slip on those barriers, kind of knocked him out of contention, and we had the poor man's Ryan Camp, uh, Pim Ronhar, ended up beating him. I feel like, I feel like Camp has like a very large uh, chip on his shoulder this year for sure. It almost seemed like he was like carrying a large chip on his shoulder in that race too, because that was actually a pretty. There was like eleven guys with two laps to go, still in contention, and I mean you had Camp at the back of that group, um, sort of getting rope doped. And on, who was it that like fell? Was it uh, Verstringe? Um, he he was kind of in the lead and fell, and everybody kind of came back to him. So I don't know, like Camp. I guess I guess he has he has the sauce, you know, to sort of like stick it out. Um, but that, that was actually a really good race, and kudos to Tebow Nice who got third um, when he broke his collarbone in a horrific incident, like what a month ago. I don't. He's a robot. <laughs> yeah, Niels Van to put uh, in second. Uh, our our favorite mountain biker from uh, Jingle Cross, and. Um, so, Verstringe crashing. Does does Tormans have a crashing problem? <laughs> I 
I don't, I don't know. I, I think they, uh, but Michael, we'll get to this. They had a different problem this weekend. We'll get to it when we get to the elite men's race. But guys, I, I almost, I wanted to do this. We've been doing broadcast corner. And one thing I, I really liked, and Michael, I want to go to broadcast corner here. I loved the handheld on the cobbles showing us how rough those things are. Uh, getting out there on the course. And you know what? I think we should add more of this. Like as a photographer, especially at local races, I won't do this at a UCI race. Uh, no problems going on the course and just like, because there's places you can be on the course where there, people aren't going to ride, right? Like if there's a run up, let's say in a right-hand turn, you can be on the left side and be on the course. I think we should do this more to show the fans, to show us more you know, features like that that are slow moving, what riders are dealing with. What do you guys think? I, I liked it. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I loved Cobble Cam. Cobble Cam was good. I, I mean, I was giving the guy kudos just because it was it was just you know handheld you know with the with a big broadcast camera. There wasn't like a little um, DSLR or you know mirrorless camera. So I th- I thought he was I was I was just stoked to see the the good camera work. And yeah, it was it was a good view. I think what we did learn though, like it was almost like they were trying to emphasize the cobbles, but I don't feel like the cobbles were much of an impact in the race so it was sort of like a little bit of a show um but yeah good work on the camera guy but like i I would love to see that on like the copenberg especially this year with all the mud just to get like that up close look at like how bad the conditions were i think there's a lot of potential here and there are spots these are professionals like both the cameraman and the riders to not be necessarily like interfering with them and and be be on the course well next year they just moved the course over to the left and then they put the ATV on the pavement. And then there you go. You've got the tracking cam up the, up the climb check style. Yeah. Yeah. So elite women's race. Uh, I don't know. I mean, wh- uh, where to start with this? Uh, here's my, should we just go right to the, the here's what I, I posed this question. Um, was a statement made and you guys both disagreed, but here's what I think. I think that brand was frustrated. Like I, uh, Bill, I was trying to think of an analogy. Um, like you're playing basketball, you're missing shots. Things aren't going well. And there's like that moment you're a tall guy. Like sometimes you just get like, you, you block a dude and then you just, it like, you know, you're playing like shit and you're, you're losing, but just feels like this relief of like, ah, I've, I blocked someone and you yell and I've, I think we've all been there if you've played basketball and everyone kind of looks at you, but it's just like all this frustration. It just seems like Brand was dealing with a lot of frustration uh, coming into this race and we saw, uh, to me, it seemed a little bit of that that stress and frustration came out. So you're saying statement race for Brand. Okay. I thought you were saying statement race for Voss, um, which, interesting. Um no, she finished second. I wouldn't. Why would I say it would be a statement race for someone who finished second? I mean, Brand won this race like pretty handily, though. I mean, like she, you know, I mean, she 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 made her move in the second lap, and we can we'll we'll get to that probably here shortly. But um, in pit corner, but I, yeah, I I wouldn't do a statement race for a second place finish though. She's missed three podiums this year. You know, is she, that's she pretty won bad. A World Cup. That's oh she won a world she won a world cup and now she won Euro championships. Brand doesn't miss know. podiums, Bill. All she does That's is true. podium. Okay. That's true. But, I mean, okay. even if you look back to like before the OPP streak, <laughs> I mean, she would come in and she would finish first or second in like almost every race. Yeah. Like Brand for several years just does not and at Overisa, she was frustrated with all the the parents and stuff and 
I mean, you know, she kind of missed the boat on that one at the Copenberg. She missed the boat. She missed the boat at Zonhoven. Like, I don't know. It just seems like she's not been getting those top level results. And I just, it seemed like very, uh, a lot of frustration came out and come back to that. I, I see it. I mean, yeah, I see it, Bill. I mean, sorry. I see it, Zach. I'm looking at the numbers. You're right. I mean, she came off a fifth at Copenberg. She's the world champ. She is technically leading the world cup series overall. Um, but yeah, she and she had to. She went early lap two, got a gap, and had to hold it for that entire race on a climber's course. Do we consider her a climber? Uh, no, I consider her super powerful. Um, so yeah, so so I guess what I'm saying to you, Zach, is that I, I see what you're saying, and it is sort of like a, it's not a breakout statement race. Like, hey, this is me, I'm here. But it's because that's how I was kind of thinking of it. It's sort of like. Hey, remember me? Like I am the world champ, and now I'm the Euro champ, and you'll never see that jury jersey because I'm the world champ. Sort of. That's a big flex right there, too. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what she does with it. <clears throat> um, you know, we'll see how these next races go. Um, you know, before I guess we could. Re- I don't know if you can retroactively make that statement, but yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw this kind of translate into her racing better and dealing doing away with some of this frustration and like you said michael just being like hi remember the opp streak um you know uh screw you denise betsema that that's my thing uh but i guess the other thing it you know vosh strong in the first lap uh it seems like the other dutch women really wilted uh on this course i mean they just they just melted away, right? Like, I mean, Michael, you talked about the the pit. Like, talk about how the, the race was won, I guess. Let's get there before we, you know, go to pit corner and before we talk about the rest of the stuff. Right. Well, so Voss goes out hard from the gun and is leading the race. Um, a la- eventually, Brand gets on her gets on her wheel. And I noticed that I just was rewatching the start of the race that the second time they go up the climb in lap two, Brand finally makes connection with Voss. Uh, Vosh, but do, does but sits on her wheel, sits up, like chooses not to go, like decides that a either uh, it was a big effort to get to Vosh or like that she was, you know, saving her proverbial bullet um, for the box. Um, but they get to pit two on lap two, and Vosh and all the rest of the Dutchies go in the pit, and Brand decides not to and gets a small gap, and and it grows. Um, and, and that's kind of the end of the story for, for brand, um, Voss drags around the rest of the Dutch women all race and uh, eventually beats them and gets second. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, Yara, I guess stayed in there, but you know, Yara, I don't think was going to beat Vosh in a last lap battle. I wasn't expecting that to happen, but like primetime didn't have it worst blew up like super concerned about her, you know, Betsema has been, Betsema had like the worst day of her season. Like she exploded and, and fell off the pace. Um, so it was kind of like the only person who was there who was going to do it was Vosh. Um, but she couldn't shake Yara. I mean, to her credit, like I, you know, I picked Yara to win somewhat facetiously. I thought it'd be a cool thing to kind of like the rando in, in the Euro Jersey. Like, <laughs> you know, a year from now you're like, how did she Get that well, she is, she's oh, already right. worn it. I mean, so not totally right, right, random. right, right. But I think there was still some of that later on after her hot like right. three weeks that she had. You're like, wait, oh, right, she had those three really good weeks a year ago. Um, but yeah, I think Vosh was the second, 
I mean, she was clearly the second strongest rider in this this race, and the rest of the Dutch women just were not up to the task. Yeah, so I, you know, there was talk on the broadcast about, you know, the sort of Dutch team tactics for this race. And I, I said on Twitter that there were going to be no tactics in this race, that the Dutch women are the best women at cross, and this is just a normal race for them. Um, of course, immediately Brand gets the gap and that it's, you know, a bunch of Dutchies and, and Vosh, the Hungarian. And I thought, well, maybe I'm going to eat crow here, but I don't, I don't know. And you guys tell me if you thought like, you know, would, if this was not Euros, would one of them, would one of the Dutch come around Vosh and really try to close that gap to Brand or were they sitting on as a good teammates or were they actually just incapable of getting around Vosh? I mean, I, I would take like the fact that it came down to Vosh and, and Yara to mean that I just don't think the other women have it. Like, you know, Primetime was ill and she's still coming back and she just does not look the same. Uh, worst is not there. Uh, Betsema was just on, she was suffering early. I mean, Betsema was just on really not good form, you know, and to her credit, I mean, she was on good form for most of the season. You're allowed a bad day. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't, I, I guess if it was more team tactics, I think that group would have been there the whole race and they would have been putzing around. I think Vosh just kind of bossed them and <laughs> kind of just melted them away. If, if brands 10 seconds up, then, then, okay. You can you can say, hey, it's team tactics. We don't want to, you know, bring anybody back up to our leader. But at the end of the day, she won by a minute. So if if you had the capability to fight for second place, you are not putting the winner in any sort of jeopardy. I just think that Vosh was the second fastest rider out there. So Vosh, I, I made the call last week that Vosh is going to win Elite Worlds. Um, Bill pointed out that, you know, she's probably going to race U23s. That makes a lot of sense. Turns out she is actually going to race elite worlds this year. Good for her. Yeah. I think that's great. I like it. I mean, yeah. And I mean, we'll see what Fayetteville ends up looking like, but I, her performance, I mean, she raced really well here. So see no reason uh, why she can't do that. Um, I think another thing with the the results, I don't know, Michael, I want to get your take on this. If there's like a reverse uh, curse of the media pits, so we've talked about bumps, but what what is the inverse of a bump, Michael? <laughs> it's a pit. <laughs> a so ditch. this is the media pit. pit. <laughs> uh, since, you know, since I, I posed the question to you gentlemen, I believe it was like two weeks ago, will Denise Betsema have a better OPP uh, than Lucinda Brand did last year? She's finished off the podium two out of those three races. So that is the media pit pit that I put upon, the media pit hacks upon Denise Betsema uh, by even daring to, to pose that question. And now with two non-podium finishes, she will decidedly not be challenging Lucinda Brand's OPP from last year. Yeah, but that WAP's 100%. <laughs> Before we uh, move on to the men, Michael, should we, uh, should we uh, go in for a bike exchange? Box, 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 box Bill. Box, next box. lap, Bill. What's that box you got there? Well, this is the uh, Hammerhead Carew box, all black. Nice. Sleek. So, so you've been uh, you've been giving this thing a workout. Yeah, you know, I uh, 
last week I talked about the map feature and that was pretty fun. Um, I did my first set of intervals in a year, over a year. And um, last year I didn't, last year during the, you know, the sort of the heart of the pandemic, I didn't do any racing or any workouts. I, I did, um, I just, I went Strava KOM hunting. That's like what I, something I could do on my own, but still sort of compete with my friends in town on the leaderboards. And so I had a really good like sort of back and forth of a few friends. Just we would just trash talk each other on Strava and and go for the segments and stuff. So I was out doing intervals and I have the Strava Strava Live thing set up on my crew. And I was doing some segment that I do a lot. And then all of a sudden the Strava Live thing popped up. And it's orange, like the app. And you can and I slid it up. It's a touch screen, so I, I slid it up, it took over the whole screen. And it didn't just like tell me like where I was in the segment, but it also listed the names of my friends who I was chasing Ooh, down nice. and who was like right nice. behind me. <laughs> and then it was like showing me like how close I was to PR and then how close I was to the crown. And I was pretty far behind the crown, but I was like blown away that it was like almost like having like literally the Strava app on my bike computer and no coach. I didn't go for the segment. I was very, you know, I stayed to my intervals. So I watched the the crown drift away off my screen. But I was, I don't know, I was kind of blown away that like, there's my friend's name and like on my computer, my bike computer as I'm riding. Um, and I can't wait to chase down some Strava segments. Pretty cool. Fantastic. Did you use the heart rate monitor? I, get all your data? I did. Yeah. I, and I can I say that I actually I um I like the heart rate monitor. I uh, I have a Wahoo one as well, but I I uh I appreciate this sort of uh, I want to call it like retro style, kind of the kind of the throwback to the the original heart rate monitor. I, I dig it. Nice. Well, did you know that for a limited time, our listeners can get a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Karoo 2 if they visit hammerhead.io right now and use the promo code CXRADIO, all one word, C-X-R-A-D-I-O, at checkout to get yours today. That's a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Karoo 2 when you go to hammerhead.io and use the promo code CXRADIO. And it's only for a limited time. Remember, if you listen to a lot of wide-angle shows, Others have their own codes. It's okay to use the Grodio one. That's fine. Don't use the slow ride one. Use the CX radio one instead. We, we, have, we have pride. Help us out here. All right, should we go? Uh, we got our new bike. Should we get on with this men's elite race, Zach? Zach, you got to leave this off. You, I feel like this is you. This is you. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, I, uh, to me, this was probably the most interesting, it turned out like coming into this, I think it was one of the more interesting European championships that we've seen. I think 2019 was super interesting. If you guys remember, it was like Vanderpool's second race back after he had exploded at Yorkshire worlds and we didn't know what was going to happen. And him and, you know, Ezerbeat were kind of battling, but, you know, I think there was this real, very real chance that, I thought I totally blew this. I mean, I I did not see what happened coming. Uh, you know, I think Quinn Nermans was going to be in the mix, and he was definitely a wild card to at least kind of upset the. You know, is it going to be Ailey or is it going to be be Tone uh, cart? But I mean, I guess like you got. Every, 
you can't not give a shout out to Jeremy Powers, like Tony <laughs> Romo esque. Like I, I just called his shot. He's like, I'm going to interview him before the race because I know he's going to win and be like, hey, Lars, I know you're going to win this race. Tell me about how you're feeling about how you're going to win this race. And then even when Lars is dangling, like in the second chase group, he's like, Lars is going to win this race. And then, you know, Lars is second. He's like, I think Lars, I just Tony Romo would bow down and just, you know, pay homage to to what Jeremy Powers pulled off on Sunday. Yeah, it's this too and he was absolutely right and he saw it before i think the rest of us saw it but once once everything kind of shook out and it was just quentin out front and lars even when he was i mean how far back wasn't he he was like close to 20 seconds back if not more he was yeah because he was dangling off the the tone I was Vance, like tone right. and because Ezerby, well, we talk about how he exploded. Um, yeah, it was the tone Van Turnout group. Yeah, he was dangling off that group. Yeah, it, it, but it, once he was able to separate himself from that group, and once you sort of saw his pace on those climbs, it was. I mean, it was it was like blood in the water. I mean, you could just you were like you were feeling for Quentin, but you just it just seemed like it was inevitable. Just watching, you were like, this is going to come down to the two of them, if not just. Lars on his own. He just he just seemed I don't know where it where it came from, but like middle of the race, he just seemed like the strongest guy out there. I want to get your guys' uh perspective on this because I don't get fact checked at the bulletin. So I was, you know, trying to we called it the the Crappenberg cross, but and there there was that long climb, but it seemed like there were some other kind of climbs, like some longer drawn out, and it wasn't just a climb you know, with a descent or whatever. And I was I if for whatever reason I was like, this reminds me of Valkenberg. Uh, and I looked, and Vanderhaar actually won Valkenberg three different times. Oh yeah, no, he was like the king of Valkenberg for sure. And it's you know, and it's kind of interesting because it's a little bit of a different power profile. But I think it's those repeated climbs and that ability to kind of like diesel his way um, up the climb, that big long climb, and then he really, you know, he had like this really good snap too on the cobble section. That you know, that's where he dropped Ailey, and that's where he closed the gap to Quentin later on. I, was that a good analogy? I don't know. I it worked. <laughs> I mean, it's another it's another Dutch style course. I mean, the guy the guy does it on 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 the home soil for sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so, they, I they mean, always call. I mean, Valkenberg always for whatever reason. I mean, they refer to it as like the mountain bikers course yeah so i mean so let's let's get let's get right to like the main question i think if we're gonna sports radio it and i guess we're technically a sports radio podcast i mean were you guys real time were you feeling that Hermans went too early because he went mid-race he still had 30 minutes left like it seemed like to me he could have sat in he was controlling that group like he did not have to attack as early as he did i don't know that's that's a that's tough i i think that Hermans has looked really strong this year and he's just kind of had these 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 crashes with a Q and just just sort of incidents right but he's had the legs but so one you think it's sort of a confidence thing and he's like hey I'm supposed to be here like I I, I can go at five to go um, and you know I don't know like I, it's I think it was the right move to do because you take it you take the race. Uh, by the reins and you are out in front in space and you know like if you have an incident that's that's all on you and there's no one else around you so i think i think it was a good move for him to do that because he wants to be at that level like i think he goes for it and it just didn't work out doesn't it come down to like the the energy or waste being under pressure versus 
pursuing. Like if he's out there and he's calm and he's smooth and he's just like putting in his times doing the same, that's one thing. If, if he's out there, like, and I, I know we've talked about this before, like me, if I find myself on the front of the race <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, I'm not supposed to be here. And then you just kind of like are just under that pressure to keep going maybe harder than you know you should be going. And if that's the case, then I think, then yeah, the move is too early. But at the, at the same time, if the move, if he doesn't go when he goes, then, then, then you don't know. I mean, you sort of get, you sort of get stuck and you never know what's going to happen, but I don't know. It's a tough one. I think I'm with you, Zach. I think it was, I think it was a little early. Yeah. I mean, I guess if we're going to talk about ourselves, I mean, the idea of just being out there for five laps alone, you're like, that's a really long time. I feel like, you know, you can put in a big dig, like, let's say you go with two to go or something. You put in a big dig. You only have to hold it for another 12 minutes. Like he had to hold it for for a full 30 because, you know, Lars was kind of getting close, getting close. And you look at the, the time and there's still 15 minutes of racing left. You're like, there's still a lot of time for him <laughs> to get back in this in this race, um, and it seems especially to me especially that- when you're doing when you're doing like what Michael was talking about with his uh, new computer. If you're they're basically doing intervals with those climbs, right? And you got to count the intervals that you're doing on that climb, and you you can lose a lot of time fast if you're not putting in your best effort every time up that climb. Right. So I'm feeling that, you know, maybe he could have Lucinda branded a couple more of those climbs because I think that he was the strongest rider in that group. I mean, he was just he was controlling the pace. He was setting the pace. Uh, Ailey was just not there. He was non-factor. You know, I don't think we've seen necessarily where Van Turnout has the legs to go deep in a race. And I think he could have had that knowledge. And so I'm just kind of curious. It'd be interesting to hear what he was thinking. Uh, Maybe it just happened, but it seemed like he made a concerted effort. He's like, I'm going to go now. Um, And I think my my, my thought is like, what 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 were Tone and Mikey V doing? Like, why does he need to ride with them? Like, if they he's stronger than them, like he should just go. And I think at that point, Lars was farther back right he was not sort of so it's just like did he expect Lars to make kind of a huge bridge I mean maybe not I don't know but it also seemed like it was the it was the kind of track you know if you didn't if you weren't your own worst enemy it was the type of thing that you could make up ground if you wanted to like you you weren't it wasn't like one of these super technical tracks that are tight that were like there's no room to pass there's no way that I'm ever getting back up up to the front and, you know, you talk about Ezerbeat, even though this wasn't his day, what we learned from him earlier this season is that if you want to win races, you do the first three quarters of the race just going 60 or 70%. And and then you some and you just got to sort of have that 30% in reserve. And if he's not doing that, he's not winning. But still, that's, so that's a throwback to the Sven era then, right, Bill? Yeah, I mean, well, Sven, look, and I think um, – Wow, was very good at it as well. Right. I mean, the, the exception to the rule, of course, is Vanderpool. He, you know, in his prime, it was like, oh, the whistle blew. I'll see you guys at the finish. Uh, but yeah, but if you're if you're in that kind of Sven Wow boss of the cyclocross peloton, you're you're sitting fourth, you're sitting fifth spot, and you're just kind of biding your time, sort of feeling out what the race is going to look like, and then and then making your move. And maybe it'll come. I mean, to be fair, like Ailey has had a lot of experience winning races. And that's one thing that Quentin has not had is this is all kind of new to him, at least at this elite level of being there and being in the conversation. And, you know, it may take him some time to learn that. I'm sure that they talked about this. I'm sure they did, you know, his team and his whoever's manager is talked about it. And 
you know, he'll come in with a different strategy. But yeah, I mean, I think part of Bill, as you mentioned, is just Ailey has all this experience and he's already be able to become crafty in his mid 20s um, because he has a lot of experience winning races. It's amazing, too. He's two years younger than Herman's. Zach, can we talk about the back, the back factor? Uh, yes, I heard. So, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I, well, okay. So I just, I mean, it was like tailor made, right? <laughs> like, uh, I mean, perfect. Lars, despite being back or, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't actually won a race. Like he hasn't won a race since 2019. He hasn't won a classification race since 2017, um, you know, so it was like, this was kind of like the, to me, kind of like the, the cherry on top. And I, I, I just appreciate, I think it's funny to me that it's become like this gimmick or whatever, but you know, when we fast forward or rewind a year ago, it was only a year ago when we kind of did the post on Lars Vanderhaar being back. Like there was a, we, I did a full statistical analysis to kind of show that he was back. Like there was some like intellectual heft behind it before it became a, a gimmick but i i just like i really appreciate you know the people who are tweeting at us just all caps back uh someone on instagram you know it took us most of the day before uh, we got our photo from our, our guy Jeffrey. uh you know, to post on Instagram. And one of the commenters was like, I was literally waiting the entire day for this post. Like, <laughs> I love that. Like, I love that we're getting that level of engagement and that like, you know, that we have such great listeners and readers and stuff that people uh, enjoy that. So uh, I thought it was pretty amazing. Uh, I don't want to talk too much more. I have more to say actually about Lars, but I'll get to, you have some thoughts I heard. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I was waiting for this post and you, you delivered on the bulletin email. It was a great read. I enjoyed it. Um, but I, I kind of was, I came from the side that I don't think that he is back. And I, 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 I was like struggling with like, wh why is he actually back? You know, and what does it mean to be back? I'll tell you what is, what is actually back right now. The McRib is back. I can go into McDonald's and I can order a McRib anytime I want. It's always there. It's back until it's gone. It's back. But like Lars, Lars, he great race. Lars is a, an extremely talented rider, one of my favorite riders, probably one of the first rider I knew his name um, from the Vanderholshot days. So like, don't get me wrong, he's not a great rider. But the idea is he back, and to me, back means he's in that elite status. Like he is back as a winner. Like if he's winning and you're saying that he's back, then to th to me that means that next time we race. He's going to win again, or he's going to be top three to win. So, and I, I wanted to sort of like bring some data to this and I wanted to kind of look at the rest of the riders sort of those. I mean, there's five of them, right? There's four of them right now. There's five. There's five riders at the front of the race. That's all there is for the last few years. If you don't count the sort of X factors, Wout, Vanderpool and Pitcock. So Lars stats this year, OPP 50%. It's pretty good. His WAP, 83. Okay, that's not bad. I'm like, okay, I'm starting to like, my hypothesis is getting slightly challenged here. Um, his lowest was a 14th. He's got one win. So I was like, okay, that's that's decent. That's a solid stat. So let's look at Tone. Tone, also 50% OPP. WAP, 93, a little bit higher. Um, he's got two wins. Quentin, strong season for Quentin. His, his OPP, 50%. His WAP, which is a this is this is a breaker 100 um got one win 
Mikey V, 73 OPP. So it's he's kind of higher. Uh, 73 WAP, one win. So I kind of, I, I think that Vanderhaar is back in the sense that he is now, he's entered subtopper status. He, he, he can win, but he's not going to be, he's not Ellie. He's not at a 92% WAP, eight wins, 85% OPP. So I, I'm, I'm sort of like kind of agreeing with you. I'm not 100%. When Tone and Lars go to the laundry room before the next race and they're they're fishing all the laundry out of the dryer and they pull all the jerseys for the team out of the dryer, which one will have to look at the name tags to figure out which jersey is his? <laughs> uh, What's well, the smaller one, Bill? Oh, but you're saying it's going to have the stripes on it? <laughs> uh-huh. Because right. he won a championship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's his one win. <laughs> and no, that should win. mean something. It, that should mean something. It I Yeah. Okay. Why I mean, are you saying that are you are you Buddy Ryan telling Lars Vanderhaar all he does is win championships? I don't know. I, I mean, like, I barely know this reference. <laughs> it's all, all, all that guy does is catch touchdown passes. Why would you want him? <laughs> I believe is the quote. Got to get some yards. I mean, Michael, I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. And I think that people have, when we did the post, made that point that he's not at the level that he was at before. And I think that's why I, I discounted. Like, I fundamentally did not see how he could win a race. Like he hasn't won a race. He's finished second, but it's always been like kind of breaking late. Uh, And I think that in a way it's like, he's got like, you know, I talked about the, uh, the dangler. He's got like that dangler power profile. I mean, he can do the Vanderhol shot, but he still doesn't have that top end. And it's really been in the situation where he's let tone down because things go really hard at the beginning and he misses it. Yeah. He'll roll back because he's got that great deep power um, but he'll miss the move and then he'll roll all the way to second. And it's like, oh, Lars got second again, but Ailey is, you know, 15, 20 seconds up the road and he's never able to to kind of bridge that gap. So I'm 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 totally with you. I don't expect him to uh to compete, but I think in terms of the meme, to me, this was more uh leaning on the meme of the Lars Vanderhaar being back. I mean, you couldn't not title the post that. Like you couldn't not post that on Instagram based on what happened, given everything that we've done over the last year. And we have a whole gimmick, right? Every week in your weekend preview, we had a gimmick uh, for it, which we'll be making a return this week, obviously. Uh, you know, so I, I actually agree with you and I appreciate that like statistical analysis. I'm actually surprised that like tone is so low and that's kind of low uh, for that OPP uh, and that Mikey V is doing so well. I mean, Mikey V is just always there, but I don't, I don't necessarily view him as a threat. I mean, we'll see. We're going to Tabor. That was his biggest win of his elite career a year ago. So we'll see if he can recreate the magic, but haven't seen from him where he has that magic either. Uh, so just kind of, I don't know, maybe it, everything fell into place. Ailey was on God awful form. Uh, Quentin went too early and Lars did Lars. And in this case, it got him the dub and he gets to wear that Jersey for the next year. Yeah. I guess in my, well, my last point is that I do think it like, I think it's the sort of 
you know, we do play this game where we sort of do the topper charts and we sort of talk about these sort of the races and then we, we, we give the numbers, but like, I do think there is like extreme value in a rider like Lars who is got the pedigree, been around a veteran and knows a lot and, and comes up for these big wins every once in a while. And that's just like a fantastic element to the overall narrative of the season. And like, I appreciate it. So it's not just, I want to make sure it's not like a dig or like a slight towards him. It's just, I sort of wanted to, you know, create a hypothesis and I challenged myself and I kind of found some results that were not exactly as I thought. So. Yeah, that was, that was sort of along the same lines. I was just going to say being back is overrated showing up when it matters. That's just as important. Yeah. Yeah, no, Mike. And I think you make a good point that I think why, you know, I've been so big on, on embracing Lawrence Swack is like, we need more of these riders who can win. We just need more, like that makes things more interesting. And I think on the women's side, especially when women's cyclocross was becoming uh, kind of blowing up, right? Like let's say in that 2016, 17, 18, 19 era is that you did have like random people who would come out and win races or get hot. And it just made it super interesting that it wasn't the same people. And I think to me, that's why this coming into this race, it was more interesting is there was the potential to not be alien tone. It just two guys is just kind of repetitive. And even if you're the biggest fan of one of them, it's like, all right, we've seen this. Uh, and so to me, even that it was going to be Quentin, or Lars Vanderhaar, I think made it more interesting. And I think we, we need more of that. You know, I think that's why Pidcock is interesting and adds interest to it as he has this like X factor. And we saw that at Havre last year, like we need that in the elite men's racing, uh, to make it more interesting. Yeah. More, more Lawrence Sweck winning the Belgian national championship. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I totally agree. <laughs> All right. Should we, uh, should we, uh, move to Massachusetts? Yes, I hear it's a cyclocross homeland. <laughs> we we had the Northampton. Oh, I'm I'm going to get the name wrong. Northampton Invi- the Verge Northampton Invitational presented by Cycle Smart. No, no, the Give Verge Northampton yeah. International. International. Don't worry, I did that before. I did that before at Cyclocross Magazine. Don't worry. <laughs> Look, Bill, it's the International. It's at Look Park. No, it's it's all about the cookies. That's all I know. All I know is cookies, cookies, and Curtis White. That is that is uh that's that's noho. So I yes yeah, so I was I was texting with Curtis because I was doing uh, the preview and I you know as a reputable journalistic enterprise I don't want to you know use facts that aren't true. Uh, so cross results go all the way back to two thousand and six. But I was like. I don't know, man. Like Curtis was 12, I think in 2006 or something. I'm like, I, I, I bet that that was not Curtis's first no-ho. So I'm, I text him. He's like, yeah, just look at some results. Looks like I raced it when I was in 2015 or in 2005. So Curtis White first race no-ho in 2005. So like he's been there for literally half of the no-hos. Uh, and so I offered the proposition. I mean, if any race, I think, right, like Jingle Cross, I've made the the offer that it should be the uh, GP Katerina Nash. I, I feel like if this race continues, and I hope it does, I hope Ann Meyerson is able to stick with it and this race continues on, I, you got to name it after Curtis White at this point. <laughs> oh, Adam, what do you think about that? <laughs> Naming it after a New Yorker. Oh, man. That would be something. I, but it could be 
like one of those sub things. You know how like the yeah. uh, like Hugerheide is World Cup Hugerheide, but it's the GP Audrey Vanderpool. Um, so the other thing, guys, how do you feel about this? So like Curtis didn't race in 2019 because it was that weird year when it was the same weekend as Pan Am's. Curtis White ride in a six race NoHo winning streak uh, coming into to this race. So I think a little bit of pressure on the guy uh, to keep keep that streak going. That NoHo. Ho, ho, uh, it, that, that didn't work. The no-ho winning streak. How'd it turn out? <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, uh, he won. Uh, it sounds like, uh, so our friend Tom Parsons, Dirtwire TV, uh, he's on the ground. He always does great coverage of the uh, NECX races. So it sounds like, uh, so we had Gage there. So we had a pretty decent, you know, elite men's field. Uh, Kerry, I don't know if we're going to get to point to point mountain bike race corner. Uh, he was busy, spoiler alert, finishing second again, if you're counting at home. That's seven on the season. Uh, so he wasn't there, but Stephen Hyde was there. Uh, Gage Hecht was there. Scott McGill, our cyclocross ringer, uh, was in the, the mix. Uh, Brandon Fix, your favorite uh, pro, uh, privateer, hi- highlighted at the CX Harris Bulletin this week, was in there, who has a kit sponsor now. So he, he locked up that East Coast connection. So he had no kit sponsor when I talked to him, but he's locked up Velocio. So he was in his new Velocio nice. apparel kit. Uh, but on day one, it sounded like Gage Hacked kind of clips a pedal, uh, falls back. Curtis White does what Curtis White does when he gets a gap. He attacked, and it really kind of wasn't uh, that much of a race. Uh, but day two looked like it was a banger. Uh, came down, down to the wire between Curtis and Gage, which could be a Nationals preview. Who knows? Yeah, there was a um, a great finish line photo. I believe it was Angela Dixon, and you see Curtis White coming across the line just like triumphant. And then you have Gage right there, but like a big smile on his face. So it seemed like, you know, it's one of those moments where yeah, he lost, but like it was such a good race. He had a good time or like, I don't know. I just, I saw that photo and I was like, that's a vibe. I'm into it. And uh, it's pretty exciting. And yeah, I, I, Zach, it is interesting to think about Gage. I don't know, man. He's uh he almost felt like a bit of a ringer this year in, in this, this domestic season. And I'm glad to see that he's, you know, we know he's going to rally next year uh, to do a lot of roads. So I'm glad that he's like, you know, doing it strong. He's signed up uh, for next weekend. Him and K- I, most of the folks are for uh, the next race and really rad. So I'm, I'm excited to have Gage racing like this at this level. And I hope we, you know, for as long as we get him, you know. I don't know, Zach, are you excited about this? Because if Gage repeats as national champion, or even if he like takes the Pan Am jersey and then goes to rally and isn't racing cyclocross anymore, it's gone. It's gone. Is this a reason of, to, to, to root against him? Are you bringing green room material into the podcast? You are. That was sly. I, I, think, this is, I think this is legit. This is a legit question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think everything that we have heard is that uh, Rally does not really smile upon their riders doing cyclocross. Um, and I think this is a concern with Katie Klaus, too, because uh, she is also on Rally. Uh, yeah, I mean, if he's not going to do cyclocross, I don't want I don't want our elite men's champion to be someone who goes and does road I, and doesn't race cyclocross. So, yes, I mean, I, if that is the case now, if he's going to stick with it and if he's going to buck that and still want to stick with some cyclocross and we'll see the the jersey, then sure, I'll cheer for him. But, yeah, I 
I actually am not. I, I think that would be really bad to have our jersey not not be uh, on display. What's the over under on how many races he has to has to do to to? Ooh, that's a good question. Sort of I, I would say at least jersey. like a full. Let's say at least like a full like UCI series worth. So at least eight. Okay. Like, you know, commit to like the main block of, of US racing. So I'm assuming like if you did the USCX Cup, came in hot for that and said, you know what, then I'm just gonna show up for Nats, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, that'd be acceptable. Uh so here's what like like you know, so we talked about uh the narrative of the season though, and we saw, you know, these two wins from from Curtis White in the men's race. I guess, you know, at this time I was trying to look at what day exactly nationals are but it's it's november 9th we're recording this um and we're literally like a month out from nationals and i think to me this is when i start to look and i think riders are the same way as you start to want to get those good vibes uh for nationals and so you know with these two wins for curtis you talked about being triumphant and celebratory uh, i think there's a little frustration for him too right like he hasn't necessarily dominated the way that he thought he was probably going to after go cross when he just kind of bossed everyone around that day and so for me this is i think looking at these races you know we've got uh this one really rad north carolina to look like who's racing well you know who's carrying those good vibes because then we're going to turn around and we're going to go pan ams and nats uh so this is kind of the time i think where you got that break and as a rider you want to be winning bike races uh so i think for curtis this was probably huge for him to get these two wins and given how other things have gone if he did not get these two wins i think there would have been i think it would have been tough i think it would have created a huge challenge for him so i think this these two wins probably of everyone there were probably the biggest for curtis and and michael for those scoring at home both of these races c2 races which Despite great fields, which means Curtis still has not won a C1. Amazing. Sorry. Just amazing. Sorry, Curdy. Can we, can we talk won about Pan Ams? Huh? Right? He's won, yeah, he's won, won a Pan, Pan Am. So you know, he's, he's so. skipped over that as far as UCI points are uh, concerned, but still no C1s. Anything else we need to say about, uh, about the, the men's side of this? I just wanted to say that I saw a um, in the the dirt wire video Scott McGill coming off the um, downhill and railing the turn at an impossible angle. I didn't think it was possible in grass. Um, like having that guy uh, in the CX fields. Um, so just this is just a funny observation. Shout out to his beard too. He's a young man, and that was a nice beard. Like, That's what shout I- out to him for for God. I Scott McGill. I hope it's I hope it's a, a playoff beard. I hope that he's doing the stretch run playoff beard style. Um, guys, do we need to see more of that? Like, I, I feel like we need more like curse period beards. Like, you do Nats, and then like it's the run up to Worlds. Like, curse period starts, you beard it up. Like, who's gonna be like Tobin? I think did this one year. Tobin, Tobin did. Tobin did a playoff beard, and I would love to see more playoff beards uh, coming down the road. I want to go one step farther. I here's my challenge: playoff beard, fine. I want playoff unshaven legs. I knew that's where you were going to go with that <laughs> one. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see some furry legs coming in. Oh wow! Can't shave until you lose. That's it. Something like that. I mean, but 
but that's the it's it's kind of like you know don't they already do that in road you don't you don't shave but before a time trial an important time trial because you know your body has to expend energy to, to grow that hair back so you, that's you don't shave your legs before the time trial you also you know don't sleep next to the conduit or turn the air conditioner on but that's a deep cut bill that's or melt the cheese don't melt the cheese it's fine if it's hard just don't melt it wow that's even didn't i never heard that one yeah elite women's race Kind of an uh, interesting, speaking of cyclocross ringers, uh, another rider that we're, I think we've lost uh, to the track of all places, uh, joining Lily Williams as a rider and Emma White. We've lost a lot of women to the track, but Ruby West really coming into her own as a, as a track racer, but she uh, from, I think she's from Ontario, so a little bit kind of closer than ECX. She's won the overall before at a very young age. Uh, she jumped in the field, and so I know, Michael, you kind of had your eye on uh, you run Ruby Watch a little bit, right? Well, we wanted to see where her form was. Right. Kind of no, curious no. to see how of- how she played with the field. You know, uh, you had Raylan Nuss, who's been a player. She's been a podium contender. Erica Zavetta, podium contender. Uh, you know, Caitlin Bernstein's podiumed at at NoHo before. So you had some strong women in this field, and it was just kind of kind of that curiosity of where where Ruby would be at vis a vis. Uh, you know, we haven't seen her yet. <laughs> right. No, I think, no, that was, I, re- I'm recalling now what you're referring to. And I did, I was curious what the form was going to be because she, she hasn't raced all year. I um, mean, she did the full campaign in Europe last year. Um, and it look, it sounds like, and this is based off the, the videos and, and the results that it was a pretty good race on Saturday, um, between her and Nuss. And I heard Nuss talking about just sort of, you know, kind of got outsmarted in the last turn and went, went a little wide and, and, and Ruby was able to get her. Um, and Nuss, interesting thing Nuss is talking about sort of, you know, there, you kind of get to the front, you sort of strive to be at the front of the race, racing for the win. And then at some point you do have to learn how to like have that craft. And she's still learning that adapting. She's, you know, made big strides this year. So, um, but it was, I don't know, it's pretty awesome to see Ruby Rest kind of just come in and drop a couple dubs in Northampton, sort of boxing out all the uh, the American women again. I think the uh, only American women to win so far are uh, Clara and um, Sonny. So Canadians kicking our butts. Blame Canada, right, Zach? That's wild, though. That is a wild statistic that you've been you've been monitoring uh, this year. That we only have two American women who have won races, and only a grand total, I think, of three three races here in the U.S. Right, no, right. Claire won yeah. one in Europe. Exactly, <laughs> that did happen. One in Europe. But yeah, but yeah, that they've only there's only been three domestic races with a full domestic calendar here in the U.S. That the the Canadians and other nationalities are just totally bossing. Uh, the American women. So they still have a few opportunities left. I don't know what Rochette's schedule. I think she's actually supposed to be at Tabor this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I don't know if Ruby is going to jump in at really rad. Could see that happening. Uh, definitely would be a favorite there again. Uh, so it might be a, uh, American women. Let's, uh, let's get on this. Let's uh, not let our friendly neighbors to the north take our wins. Right, because uh, we have Carlin Mani is is signed up for really rad, and she's you know she's French. Sorry, she's, you know, racing with that French. 
French flag. Canadian women stop showing up and taking all the points. Uh, <laughs> my my favorite uh, comment uh, uh, or tweet was from uh, well fellow Canadian for Ruby and fellow podcaster for us Jen Jackson chiming in with Did they teach you to sprint at track camp or <laughs> question mark Jen's getting good on the media side. I'm all I'm all for it. Well, Jen, I I mean, if I'm Jen, I'm a little concerned. I, you know, I think she's yeah. heading into to Canadian Nats. I think she's planning on racing Pan Ams and Canadian Nationals, and I think Ruby is an elite this year. Uh, so she's got competition for that podium. I mean, you know, obviously Megaly Rochette is going to be the favorite, but Jen's kind of had at least the silver on lock. So, and she said as much. I think on her podcast that she's a little nervous. Ruby West. Might come in hot uh, to Canadian Nats. We might get a good race there up in, uh, I believe it's somewhere in British Columbia this year. So it's way out on the uh, the West Coast, which definitely this year favors her. So, you know, because she's living in Kamloops. So, yeah, I can definitely, I definitely know it's a West Coast race because I've been been watching the Instagram updates from Jeff Kabush getting ready for uh, Cyclocross Nationals. So oh, my good to God. see he's going to be, uh, that's awesome. Throwing his, throwing his toque into the ring. Is he going to race on a mountain bike? No, he but no he raced uh he raced Iceman he was I think he was part of the drop bar uh, crew at uh Iceman so, so well exactly so he's got to right, he's got to flip, flip it, it he's got to yeah. flip it around oh and he's gonna race on his gravel bike at Cross National <laughs> yeah so, I mean, look, bike. Yep. yeah I mean look at what he's done you know Kerry raced on the uh the Konia his Kona Libre I think you know it's becoming a thing uh but before I we still have some time. I we didn't want to punt this. Bill Bill was teasing some stuff. So Bill, do we have enough time to go to to Bill Shiken corner here? Yeah, so what I thought was 6 months ago and it turns out it was a couple years ago, uh more than like 2018, I I I wrote something on a uh, cxhairs.com and now a defunct website uh that I believe the headline was three out of the box ideas you will probably hate. And I, I wanted to spend a little time and I've, I've hopefully this, this conversation will grow and people will hate these as well. And we'll be able to discuss them for a while, but I'm just going to throw these out here. These aren't like fully formed, uh, just, uh, just some outlines of some ideas I've been thinking about for the domestic cyclocross season and I don't know, future. Uh, I, I, I have them listed one to three. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll start at number three. And th- this is sort of my, um, pro racer manifesto pro as in, in favor of, but also elite. And here's what I propose. Even as a former UCI race organizer, here is something that I think would help us bring more and better racers into the fold in the future. To have a UCI race in North America, you must waive entry fees for elite racers and you must offer free or discounted housing. One of the things that I've run into this season from a lot of these racers, and I think the numbers are going to continue to dwindle, is it's gotten more and more expensive to race a domestic cyclocross season. Sponsorship opportunities aren't what they used to be. And I can see this from a promoter point of view, like I can't afford to do this. And I get that, but I think that 
there are events out there that can, and maybe it would mean less UCI races, but that would be my first proposal. We need to make it easier for elite racers to race UCI races. I haven't told you any of these. So any, any thoughts right off the cuff on that one? Number three. That's completely reasonable. Like I, I mean, that's a very good point. I mean, it's expensive and you know, I thought you were going to point out the amount of that it's cost for us to travel. I mean, we've seen those costs and we're doing it on the cheap and we're not trying to perform at a high level. I, I totally get it. And I, I don't hate that. I, I, that sounds completely reasonable to me. That, that goes for Pan Ams and Nationals too. And this sort of started with the $140 entry fee for elites to race Nationals, which... Here's my question though, is does the free housing have to go to every single... Like, do we have to offer free housing to me if I get a UCI license and I'm a cat too? Like, or is there like, if you're in the top... Because we want to get the top like athletes or something, but you know, is that, does that mean a hotel? Does that just mean host housing? Like how deep does this go in terms of that responsibility? Yeah. I mean, it was free or discounted. I just think that there has to be an opportunity to help as many as you can. I don't know what the, what the sliding scale would be for that. Okay. So that one, I think we need some, some fine tuning of the, that policy proposal, but yeah, I like that. I don't hate that at all. And I think that sounds completely reasonable. Bill, make me more angry. (laughs) Any thoughts on that one, Michael, or should I move on? No, I, I just just uh, going with the uh, crit team to all of the USA crits uh, this year, and one of the the series that series that did a buy in as a team, you did a buy in, and it was like thirty eight hundred dollars, but that buy in got you housing the entire year and entry fees, which for six riders at each race. It it they they like it paid for itself like two times over, so I don't know. I mean, there's a whole other side to that, but like it is it is something that like I could see if you took that away that it's really hard for racers to pay for that, and like you can find host housing, but like yeah, I, I think it's it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm not the promoters, so I'm like yeah, give it to the racers, you know? Yeah, okay. Make me more angry. I agree with Zach. I mean, I guess like the, the, the one thing that scares me though, then is that there would be this, I I think that UCI cyclocross races are already borderline getting way too expensive. The idea of paying $50 for a cyclocross race is insane. Uh, and so I guess the fear then would be, hopefully we'd be able to put together some sort of package or find some way to do this. But the fear is that it would just go to the masters racers and it would go to the other racers. And then we'd be looking at, um, that year that there was that, um, one at the the speedway that was like a $75 entry fee or whatever. And that would just kill everything. (laughs) Yeah. I think that part of that, you know, which is what happened with that race is people said no. So I think there is a, 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 a spot where people, I don't know, but I would, I would, that would be, I, I would like to, yeah, to be that part of it. At, at the same time, you know, you want race promoters to exist. I guess this sort of r- runs into my, my second proposal. And th- this is one I still, I'm still going back and forth, but it's still, still working out the details. But part of what I think we've seen this season I, I, this, this is hard for me to say as a cyclocross guy, and a cyclocross fan for so many years and somebody who's been involved in the sport for a long time. And it's someone who has gone, seen it go from 
six to eight UCI races in the country to like 30 UCI races to the country to where we are now. I think we're still at a point where maybe we have too many UCI races. So what I was thinking, one of the things I was thinking is only one UCI race per weekend. So if you have a UCI event, you can still offer the same prize money on your second day or your first day, if you want to do it like that, but only one counts for points. And therefore it makes it more important if we have less UCI race availabilities. Now, maybe that just goes for a double C2 weekend. Maybe if you have a C1, you can have a C2, but I really think that we just, I think that there may be, I want to make these races more important, bigger, and just something that become events again. And I, I feel like that has slipped away, especially later in the season. So I'm not sure if that's where I stand on this, but I, I, th- I was trying to, to, to figure something out like jingle cross, for instance, I don't think should have three races, at least two, if anything, you can have a world cup and a UCI. And we talked about that before, how it wasn't fair for the series, but I also think it'd be interesting just to say, okay, you're going to have your UCI race on Saturday. And then if you want to stick around and race on Sunday, it might still be a good prize money, but it's not necessarily a UCI race. So that means there's more pressure on that one race. You have to perform on that one day. I feel like we talked about this when I was uh, in town when we were staying with you for Charm City, and I think we were in pretty strong agreement. I, I don't hate this either. And to give an example, you know, looking at we're doing these weekend previews. And so it's like, oh, who won Copenberg two years ago? Who won Copenberg three years ago? And for American races, I have to do who won day one. And it's just like, you don't remember, like you don't remember yeah. what happened at that event. But if there's only one race, you're like, oh, that was the blank race or whatever. That was the race that this person won. Instead, it's like there might have been this incredibly great race, but it's just like that was day two, day one. Right. They you all know, you don't together. really remember and the it. same. Right. It's not, it's not as special, right? It's not as special. If you win, if you win Cincy, y- you have to, you have to qualify that day one or day two, C1 or C2. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and it means more to the riders, but from a fan perspective, if we're trying to sell this product, like, Hey, come out Saturday or Sunday, you know, what if it was like, what if there's the NFL? Oh, you, you could come Saturday, but like, Oh, don't, don't worry. Like if you can't make it, then you can come Sunday too. I, if that's. I don't know, maybe uh, it just pick. And then, you know, and, and instead I think it, it makes it harder to be like, this is the event we're doing Saturday. You know, we're, this is our big event. Like this is the one that you care about. And then I think we saw with like the world cups, especially I think with Waterloo, I saw, I met so many people like, you know, I guess I know the nuances of the Wisconsin scene of people who don't race cross who are just like, I need to come to this event. And they came to this event and they're like, I don't even race cross and I don't even watch it, but I'm coming to this event. And I think that that would create that opening uh, to do that for local races, you know, like a, like a charm city, like come to this race. Like this is the cyclocross race, bike community come on Saturday, 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 or you could do it Sunday too, if you want to, Sunday, 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 Uh, cyclocross racing. Um, I don't hate this one either. These are entirely reasonable ways of, of improving American cyclocross thus far. Do you lose amateur racers if you do that? They race both days, though. I, I, would, I would argue that uh, uh, m- many, most, a lot of amateur racers don't care about the elite races, even if they are UCI races. They go home. 
but it's still a UCI weekend. You race on we saw this, you know, you still race yeah. on Sunday. Like people raced, how many people race on Saturday at track? They're not like, there's no UCI race today. Screw track. I'm not racing on Saturday. Yeah. Like they're still gonna and race. Yeah, but they're booked. If it's one day. And if it's one day, maybe you get a better crowd for that one day because they're like, Oh, I have to go, you know, I'm racing two days, but I have to stick around this day because I want to watch a UCI race. Exactly. No, totally. And I think that that you you would get that. I think that it would encourage more people uh to to come out. And I mean, I, I don't do points matter. Do points matter that much? I mean, I'm sure there'll be some pushback because people don't want to do the random draw, but 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 isn't the whole season World Cups now? Yeah. Yeah. So it's world and you're not getting World Cup points. Right. Yeah. I guess I it, mean, it, it matters for your staging in the States, but so I guess because someone who doesn't live as close to cross races, um, as a lot of folks do on the, on the East coast or like if you take a UCI event and make it one day, do I want to drive six hours to go now for as one day racer? of elite racing? Oh yeah. Yeah. But you race on day two. Yeah. They can still, there's still a day two, like there would be two day races. It just wouldn't be a UCI race. Right. You, like but you, you still have an elite yeah, race. So, well, is Kerry going to race both days? Yeah, Kerry would race both days. Uh, is Curtis White? Who cares? Is, is Who cares? Clara Hansen? Why do I care? I don't care. Do college, do college football fans drive that far? I don't know. No? Why would you do uh, that? There's in some places everywhere. too? But they drive across, for like Big Ten races, they'll go drive. Oh, Nebraska forever. fans drive, will drive to Penn State for that. People drive from across, right. like people will drive 24 hours to go to a college okay. football game. Yes. Right. And right. that's just on one but day. that's college football. It's not on two days. But we're no, trying I, to make cyclocross it. like a bigger thing instead of just like, I mean, we can't even get our own racers to stick around and be like, hey, let's let's stick around and watch like like let's make it one big event that's exciting. And, you know, people want to become a part of because I think like there is like this. I think there's like a like a tipping point where enough people stay around. Then it becomes something that you want to be a part of. And then more people come the next year because you tell your friends, wow, I had a really good time. And then more people come. And then there's more eyes on cyclocross and maybe even a few more sponsor dollars. Who knows? Like, let's not go crazy here. Okay. I'm a little bit angry. I'm not. I love these. These are great. These are Someone entirely reasonable solutions. Okay. Okay. Hot. All right. Ready for the last one? U.S. Nationals on the same weekend as Canadian Nationals before Thanksgiving. That's number three. The so old Chavanaugh rule. Have all your races, get this whole slew of races. Look, we're talking about it now. Northampton, awesome races. Glad they happen. We've had this long slew of races. And again, this is hard for me to say. I want as much cyclocross as possible. But I think at some point, it becomes people's attention is spread. There's... The USCX was cool, but since then, there's no narrative. I don't know what the hell the Pro CX is. It doesn't mean anything. There's no prize money. There's nothing. So let's have nationals in a couple weeks before or right after Thanksgiving, but not, you know, later in December, and then send everybody to Europe. You want to continue racing? Go race in Europe. If you're an elite racer and you're good, get out of here. Go to race in Europe at the end of November. Go do the rest of the World Cup season. And then, you know, other than this year, you're there for worlds. You're all set. You're good to go. You want to be a professional bike racer. That's where professional bike racing is at that level at that time of the year. Bill, do we have to add, 
do we have to do we have to go back to the archive do we have to like uh shut up and play the hits bill do we need a separate professional and amateur nationals then yeah i mean that that was that was on the first <laughs> first list of of things that's why i said shut up and play hit. the hits man yeah, that's it I mean, and of course, if you want to go all the way, we can just bring the biggest hit of them all back to it and say, no, hey, no, 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 yeah, no, no, let's do it. We're going to have Thanksgiving. Then we're going to Germany and we're having U.S. nationals. <laughs> <laughs> On the Rammstein Air Force Base, U.S. nationals in Europe. You're already there. It's all taken care of. But I, but I think with these, like you, you're, 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 you're identifying concerns and offering solutions. I felt that that one was just a solution in, in search of pissing people off. Um, I mean, but the concern I, I, I though is early like nationals. I think that, that most, most amateurs are done with their racing now. I know that we're going to get, I'm going to get the emails. We're going to get the calls. We're going to get the tweets saying, I love racing in December. I love racing in January. Look at the numbers. Now you don't. Well, but so like state championships are the weekend here in the Midwest or the weekend before Thanksgiving. And so that would be my concern is then, I mean, I guess you would move states a week earlier and you would just say Nats is then the week before the week before Thanksgiving, right? So the... Yeah, but I mean, you can move them anywhere. I mean, that's the thing. You you look at, look at cycling. It's the weird thing with cycling, you know, cycling we look at cyclocross national championships as being at the end of the season. That's the only place that it happens is in the U S that you go, Oh, this is the end of the season. Everybody else. It's like the middle of the season, you know, well, road road, nas- which is one thing that we do champ- right. Which is one thing that we do right. Bill is that we don't have our championships in may when it's a road season and the biggest race is that- in July, but we're still racing in November. We do it right. I'm fine. That's I, fine. You know what? Then just I'm open end the to season. That. End the season. End the season. You can have your states before Thanksgiving, have nationals after Thanksgiving, December. Everybody just worry about Europe. We're done. Done with domestic racing in the U.S. No, de- no December racing. I mean, you're really asking for nationals to be moved up, what, two weeks? Fine. Be like three. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I'm okay with that. I think that's a good idea. I mean, it used to be January. Fine. Right, which which was the worst. I mean, which was the dumbest thing ever. So I guess my one but thing, I, but is, I still, I guess there in September, there's so much going on, cross road, crits, mountain bike. Like in November, you finally in late October, November, you finally have cross season on its own. You know, January fucking road season starts in Australia. So like. I don't know. I guess I. But do we really have a domestic season on its own? I mean, it's we're looking at. I mean, it's kind of petered out. I mean, I don't know. I'd be okay with that move. Yeah, move Nats up to to the weekend that that Hendersonville is. Everyone else holds their state championships a week earlier than they did before, and we're all. I mean, everyone's done in November. No one races in December. That's the that that's that's com- okay. Let me. Seventy people racing in December in the South, Bill, Zach. So just calm, cool your jets, there, buddy. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, okay. No, here's here you go. Make nationals on Thanksgiving. It's a freaking four day weekend. Perfect. Everybody can go. No one has to take up time for school or work. There you go. Follow me. Thanksgiving Let's nats. Do it. Oof. They used to do. Now people are going to get mad. (laughs) I think they used to do. I think Jingle Cross used to be on Thanksgiving weekend, and I think it was pretty contentious because there was family time that was being interfered with. I I guess here's here's the thing. You you know, if we go back and look look at all of it, we have including 
the World Cups, including all of the UCI weekends, by the time we get through Hendersonville, without taking into consideration Pan Ams or Nationals, we'll have 21 UCI races in the U.S. That, I think, is if you want to, if, if, if you want us to make a compelling story out of something, that's too much. You look at the super prestige, you look at the UCI used to limit if it's eight races, you know, those, those series are eight races. The world cup can sort of do it because they got everybody and it's only one race a week. But again, that's too much. I think we've all said it's too much. I mean, Michael, you were talking in the green room about how F1 is too many races. It's the exact same thing. They've just overexpanded. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking about if we want to make the product of cyclocross better in the u.s i think that part of that is limiting how many races there are and how many race days there are if you don't want to take away the events then take away one of the races per weekend i i think one last counterpoint to that is that sort of coming from uh ball sports football uh basketball i guess you know but like mostly football you had one race a weekend i remember starting to watch cross and seeing that i i was blown away that they were racing two times in the weekend. I couldn't, I couldn't believe, you know, you have so much in the week of training practice, you know, getting ready to race. And then you race twice and then you go and watch the Euro races and they're racing, you know, twice in different races, different series. I couldn't believe it seemed like such a novel concept that it is kind of, it's unique to me. And I don't know that I want to lose that. Um, but I guess I guess the the difference for the European ones is it, it's exactly right what you said. It's different. You you have a super prestige right. one day. You may have an atheist the next day. You may have a you know a, an X two O the next day. And like this one's done by time. This one's done by points. This one's a World Cup. And it's all it's stuff that you can you can just compartmentalize and say these are all different things. But if you just have this is the race and this is the race and they're the same. It's not as special. That's, that's, that's the whole thing. And I just, I just think that, and again, you know, these are three things you're probably going to hate. So maybe this, this may be something that that people hate. It's, it's an idea to throw out there. It's something it's, it's, it's food for thought. Uh, And that's it. Those are my three things. I think part of it gets though, is that we're so focused on the racers it's always been, what do the racers want? So the racers want two days. They want a chance to get those C2 points yep. and not be, but you know, I guess our perspective is the media pit is, you know, we've seen that being a racer focused thing doesn't get you sponsored. Like it actually doesn't help the racers because you, now you have racers just not being able to find sponsors who are finding greener pastures elsewhere. Um, and you kind of need a more fan focused product. And unfortunately that might be kind of a hit on the, the racers. And I think that's part of what the argument you're making here is that instead of just bending over backwards to be like, what do the racers want? It's kind of like, how can we make this more fan friendly and get more people to come and make it a more attractive thing for sponsors? At which point it then becomes better for more racers because there's more money in the sport. Yeah. And also going, you know, that's my first one was to accommodate the racers as well. And I, I, another accommodation that I'll throw out there that should be mandatory is that if you have a series, much like if you have a race, if you have a UCI race, you have to pay out a prescribed amount of money 
as prize money. If you have a series, you should have to do the same thing. If you have a UCI series, I don't care what it is, but there has to be a prize purse. So USCX, you got to have a prize purse at the end. Verge series, you got to have a prize purse at the end. And I know I'm asking a lot and I understand it. I've been in this position. I know money is hard to find, but that is, that is something that I think is very important again to entice the riders to continue to do these races and make it something important. And then it makes it something fun for us to follow. I've got it. So here you go. One race, one cyclocross race a weekend on Sunday. But guess what Saturday is? Short check, cyclocross for a grip position. Sold. (laughs) Just remember, folks, that you can address all hate mail and concerns to at CXHairs on Twitter. You can also find him on Instagram at CXHairs. Please do not confuse that with at CXHairsBulletin because uh, you should just direct all of it to at CXHairs. That's Bill. Uh, Direct, you know, uh, all of your hate and, and... uh, tweets uh, towards him. Let's uh, let's not confuse it with the the bulletin Instagram. So, uh, guys, uh, we went a little bit long. I think this was worth it. I think this was worth it to go to uh, things that you're going to hate corner uh, with our friend Bill. Uh, so, I enjoyed it. I, I'm excited about next weekend. I think it's going to be a really rad podcast. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. Sorry if I already stole your pun, Mike. Not a pun. No. It's just the name. It's too obvious, Zach. See you next time. Hang in there, kid. Crappenberg Cross. The Slow Ride Podcast. Three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast. The titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Zwift Racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast. The Arrow Helmet of Podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast. When's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast. The experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official fan experience zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast. The gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.